So just how quickly will Australia recover? The construction numbers yesterday weren't as bad as expected, so what will private CapEx numbers today tell us? Well, things certainly seem to be recovering better in the United States, even though they've got many, many times more COVID-19 casualties. But their durable goods orders have picked up, and equities are reaching new highs almost every day lately. But we do need to do more. Germany has just extended its wage support program into next year. Maybe that's something that central bankers will talk about at Jackson Hole. Well, virtually at Jackson Hole. The symposium kicks off today. Jerome Powell is also expected to talk about the Fed's inflation targeting. Perhaps they'll also talk about how banks can handle the ever-increasing debt. It's Thursday, the 27th of August, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a small fall in the US dollar on the trade weighted index. The currencies that are gaining ground include the Aussie dollar, which is up 0.5%, and the pound up 0.4%, plus the yen. The US dollar's lost 0.4% against the yen, reversing yesterday's gain. The euro is down two, just a smidgen, to use the technical term. US stocks, what do you reckon they're doing? Let's go for up again. In fact, another 1.7% on the NASDAQ, 1% for the S&P 500, 0.2% for the Dow. Salesforce is up 29% which sort of kind of makes sense. Companies uh, are focusing on CRM marketing now because there's not a lot else they can do. Uh, so that explains that, I guess. The MSCI, the all-country index, also reached a new high. The Eurostox 50 is up 0.8% too, a small increase for the FTSE, but 10-year gilt yields up four basis points today, up six basis points for Australian 10-year government yields. We'll look at that in a second. And another one for 10-year treasuries in the United States. Only a small rise in WTI crude, despite the stormy weather ahead. And Comics Gold is up 1.9%, but still staying below $2,000. So... A big rise in Aussie government bond yields. Let's start there with Rodrigo Cotrill, senior FX strategist at NAB in Sydney. This, just as the uh, the Treasury sold $21 billion in 11-year bonds yesterday, $66 billion in bids they had, which kind of makes sense, isn't it, with a yield over 1%. You, you can't actually get that in many places these days. Uh, morning, Phil. Uh, yeah, if anything, that's a reflection of... You know, still very strong appetite for uh, sovereign Australian debts. Um, and a factor that, you know, it still plays into, into a stronger uh, Aussie dollar, meaning that the demand for foreigners um, uh, implies a, a demand for the Aussie dollar as well. So in that sense, it doesn't actually explain the move up in yields um, because um, it's a reflection of a strong demand. So it's keeping, there's a lot of appetite there for, for, you know, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie debt. Now, um, I think that overall the move up in, uh, in, in yields, um, which uh, this time around we've seen those, those, um, yields also move higher is a reflection of, of sort of improvements in sentiment, which is, is broadening, not just in the U.S., but also in terms of economic support coming from from Europe as well, which yeah. is reflected in the equity market overnight as well. Yeah, and, I mean, the numbers locally haven't been too bad either. We had those construction numbers, didn't we, which were not as bad as anticipated, uh, just a 0.7% fall in construction work done in Q2. I think mining was a, a chunk of that. Uh, so uh, presumably that, that that's going to... Um, help push up the anticipated GDP figure a bit for Q2 as well, isn't it? Yes. Um, I suppose the first thing to notice is that the number was a lot a lot better than many had expected, including ourselves. Uh, so we were expecting mm. for a fall of around 7%, and it only fell by 0.7. So it's a big, big difference in terms of uh, of the impact. And now, um, 
It's always we always have to be very cautious about talking about GDP partials and the impact it will have on GDP a week ahead of the number because there's so many partials coming over the coming days that uh, you know they, they will yeah. change the equation very quickly. But on, on its own, um, it does mean that um, uh, there's a little bit of upside to to NAV's forecast of a large 6.1 percent in Q2. Uh, a fall of Q, uh, GDP in Q2. So um, early days because there's so many partials coming, but at the moment the uh, the data suggesting that maybe there's a little bit of upside to 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 the big drop expected uh, in Q2 in terms of GDP growth. But it was largely mining, wasn't it? I mean, housing construction was way down as you'd anticipate because you know there was a limit on how many people could work on on building sites. So if we hadn't seen that uh, that investment in mining, then perhaps it would have been a different story. Yeah, I mean the the, the activity in, in in, in the construction side and the residential side wasn't as severe as expected as well. Um, I, I think that the big question mark is what to expect coming up. Mm. Um, and in that regard, we still remain very cautious because uh, the leading indicators such, such as, for instance, you know, approvals for residential and non-residential do tell us that we should expect a significant decline in activity over the coming 12 months. So yeah. um, as much as the numbers are, are positive for, for Q2, looking ahead still, the the outlook doesn't look very bright. So Aussie private capex numbers are out this morning as well. Uh, obviously, they're going to be down, but um, they've, they've been down for a long time. All last year, for example, although for Q1, even with the uh, with the onset of the coronavirus, it was actually down less than in Q4 last year. But obviously, this time it's going to be far worse, isn't it? Yes, um, and, and in this sense, the, the the machinery and equipment investment is is expected to to collapse essentially by by around eighteen percent. And, and yeah. then again, that will be, if, if, if correct, it will be a big drag to, to the Q2 GDP numbers. So, um, importantly as well, in the report, we get this capital expectations number for, for next year. Um, and those numbers are also expected to, to come down, uh, which is, um, not, not just from, from the mining side, as you say, but also from the non-mining side is also expected to, to decline significantly. So it is a reflection of the uncertainties because of the pandemic. Um, but hopefully if the pandemic, uh, you know, the virus or the vaccine comes along in, in the coming months, and then we see an improvement in those uh, investment expectations. But at the moment, mm-hmm. it's a function of that, that certainty that, um, you know, we don't know exactly how things are going to play out over the next 12 months. But it is bizarre, isn't it? Because there does seem to be, a, you know, a lot more enthusiasm in the United States, even though they have been hit by this uh, virus uh, far worse. And of course, uh, particularly when we look at equities. So uh, US equities just goes on and on, new highs again. This is the fourth session in a row. It's the big companies seeing the gains, though, isn't it? The small caps on the Russell 2000 index are actually down today by uh, 0.7%. And although we've seen gains in, in small caps over the last few months, by no means as much as the uh, as the big stocks. So it's, it's not an, a, a, an even story, that's for sure. Yes, yeah, certainly. It's not, it's, not, it's not even. And it's a theme. It's got many dimensions. You know, you, we talk about those tech companies mm-hmm. leading, you know, the, the, the big fangs, leading their, their rise. And once you take them out, the picture's not as rosy. Um, the distinction between small and big caps is not just in the performance as well. When you look at sort of the credit availability, big companies have access to, to cheap uh, um, you know, debt uh, in, in capital markets, but smaller companies, which usually tend to use the banks, are facing, you know, uh, you know, big, big sort of learning, rigid, if you like, lending, lending um, uh, restrictions because the banks are very cautious about lending money. Yep. So it is a, it is a broad, 
quite diverse picture in terms of the recovery. Um, I suppose the defense from central banks has always been that monetary policy is a blunt instrument. And, and what they try to do and try to see is that if the effect is going to be positive overall, then the expectations are or the hope are that it's, if you have sectors of the economy, like for instance, housing in the US booming, uh, eventually that, that booming will help other sectors. Um, and and the lower rates should 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 help everybody as well. So um, it is it is the deficiency of the policy, but not necessarily something that uh, will stop them doing it because technically there's there's no better option at the moment uh, from their point no. of view. Well, I guess so. But I mean, something that needs to be talked about. Perhaps a conversation for on the if there were any conversations on the side of Jackson Hole. But of course, everyone is doing it uh, virtually today. We'll get onto that in a second. Just quickly, the other good bit of data from the United States was the durable goods orders for July, which were higher than expected. A chunk of people getting new cars, it seems. It's all, almost like an extension of this COVID cocooning, isn't it? You do up the house, get a new car, anything that's going to keep you away from people, basically. <laughs> yes, uh, pretty much. There, there's, there's been, uh, I suppose that the, the good news is that the number was a lot better than expected. Um, it was very much driven by the improvement in, in the auto car industry in terms of output. Um, saying that, um, you know, we got to remember that many of these numbers come from a very, very low base. So the auto car industry essentially yeah. shut down, uh, and there, and now that the yes. numbers that you're seeing increase is a reflection of, of that improvement. Uh, but when you look at sort of like the context uh, of where we were in terms of auto industry production, um, I think we are around 81 billion short of where we're supposed to be. So yeah. the, the, there's a huge room for recovery just to get back to where we were. So it's good news, uh, but it's still reflective that there's still a little bit of a mountain to climb. There. And all this optimism we're seeing, particularly in the equity markets, I mean, it, it's happening oblivious to anything else, the headwinds. So there's headwinds, and there's two of them uh, in particular today. Uh, one of those headwinds is between the US and China, uh, which is now, uh, as well as, you know, bans on companies. There's also rising military tensions too. So uh, I noticed the BNZ, uh, their research note this morning, I just have to quote from it, cheap money over the tail risk of World War Three is winning the day for financial markets. That seemed to be overstating the case a little, I thought. But uh, World War Three, really? Uh, <laughs> but the, the, the other headwind is uh, in Louisiana. It's, it's uh, literally getting very windy there. Yes, yes. So the Louisiana story, because of the... Um, well, depending on, on your accent, you'll say Laura or, or Laura, uh, hurricane coming. Uh, it's been upgraded to a category four. Um, and um, essentially, there's two parts of it. That because of the, the, the upgrade, uh, the winds are expected to create a lot of damage and flooding and so on. Um, so it's a major concern um, uh, around the, the Gulf Coast. But uh, also from a sort of economic perspective, it does also mean that around 80% of oil output in the Gulf of Mexico needs to shut down just to wait and to, to ride out the storm. So um, it, it potentially could have implications in terms of the ability for the, the refineries to, to, to restart following the, the impact from the, from the hurricane. So it's a theme to watch for, for the oil market. And of course, from a, from a human perspective as well, um, um, it's mm. a bit concerning given the potential for quite significant damage as well. Yeah, absolutely. From Laura or Lara. I'm pretty sure it's Laura. Uh, look, Ricky Valance, 1960. Tell Laura I love her. I Rest my case, I think. At least that's the way they're going to be saying it in Louisiana. Now, look, uh, Jackson Hole, not that I was around in 1960, I hasten to add. Jackson Hole, the symposium gets underway, not in Jackson Hole. The uh, the Jackson Lake Lodge, where it's normally held, is, uh, is closed. 
and they couldn't all fit in at the uh, the Flat Creek Inn, even though it appears to be much better value for money, just checking uh, online bookings. Uh, but the big question seems to be there, uh, will the Fed announce a more flexible approach to targeting inflation? I, I mean, that, that's the question. I also wonder, are they going to talk about what everyone's going to do about this massive accumulated debt, you know, which is in the US is getting north of $24 trillion. Yeah, and that's, if you like, the side effects of, you know, uh, sustained and prolonged periods of very, very low uh, rates. So uh, I suppose that should should form part of the discussion. Yeah, um, all of them. Um, uh, Fed Chair Powell will be giving the speech later today. And um, um, if you recall, they've, they've, you know, they've been doing this sort of naval gazing exercise for, I think it's just over a year now in terms of what to do about uh, the policy setting and particularly what to do about the inflation targeting approach. Uh, and the market is very, very sort of attuned to this and, and is expecting some updates in, in, in that regard. Uh, so that, that for markets that will be, has the potential to be a big deal. Uh, if the Fed does confirm that it will allow a more flexible approach to its 2% target, uh, perhaps allowing uh, an approach of looking at an average of inflation rather than just reaching that 2%, uh, which has been the case so far. Um, that will be important because it could have a big impact in terms of not only uh, the movement in treasury yields, which we've seen, you know, the big uh, move up in terms of inflation expectations, um, but also the ramifications it can have in terms of the US dollar, which has come under pressure as those real yields have gone negative and, uh, and, and in, to some extent we expect that sort of downward force in the US dollar to, to persist uh, for many months to come as well. So, so that will be quite important. Uh, but as you say, there, there are other topics in terms of central banks. And um, uh, we ha- also have, for instance, the, the uh, governor from the Bank of Canada speaking. So there will be a, a discussion beyond this inflation targeting, which is obviously hard to deal with monetary policy in a new environment over the next coming decade. Uh, but certainly Fed Powell is, is the one to watch later today. It would be nice, though, wouldn't it, if they were sharing some ideas about which is the most effective form of, of stimulus but i suspect there'll be a lot of them talking about uh, you know what a good job they've done so far speaking of which uh, you know extending stimulus germany is extending its wage support program through to the end of 2021 we know the uk is not it's going to be interesting to see the difference in how each economy fares isn't it from this point on based on what they do and whether australia needs to do more for longer as well perhaps um, perhaps it'll all be decided that the virtual jackson hole but i i suspect not Uh, We'll leave it there for now. Good to talk. Uh, We'll catch you again soon, Rodrigo. Thank you. Pleasure, Phil. Talk soon. Cheers. And that's it. That is the morning call for this Thursday. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.